0: It's recording now, but <laughs> whenever you'd like to start, start. Let's, uh,
1: bottom's up. Bottom's up, dude. Yes, good evening, Zachary, how are you? I'm doing well, Nick. Hell yes. About to drink this beer. You know what? Talk about something cool. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a whole, it's, I mean, it's a, it always is, but it, it's going to be a whole thing. Good. Yeah, so you got your beer, we just did our thing. Mm-hmm. Drinking some other stuff. Yeah. I mean, we may or may not be indulging in some Irish whiskey. That was used as bait. Yes. We were trying real hard to lure out Lure out. Yeah, I'll say that. Lure? Lure? Whatever, man. Lure. Lure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. To lure out this creature that is probably not real. Right. Right. Seamus, Barehands hands, or hula hand,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who we addressed in our very first episode,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. who, in case you haven't listened to that episode, is, in fact, uh, an, a canal worker on the I&M Canal, who is, in fact, an Irishman who had his hands smashed and may or may not, he definitely did, have his hands crushed and have them replaced with bare hands sewn on by a drunk doctor. Yep. And maybe he's a ghost that haunts the I&M Canal.
0: Right, Just and say, uh, maybe so the whiskey we purchased was donated to us. Well, we received a small donation with uh, instructions on how to use it, and w- part of it was to get fluids, which we enjoy to consume while we do this. We do, absolutely. So we did that, and we turned it into bait, too, so we bought Irish whiskey to bait out
1: James Bearhands O'Houlihan. Yeah, who know? Who knew when that man made that donation that it would be used to satisfy our needs and potentially lure out a monster. <laughs> yeah, lure out a monster. Yeah, but yeah, thanks, Pete. Yeah, thank you, Pete. And also, as long as we're thanking Pete, I'm going to thank Pete, uh, Mr. Pete Carparelli, for our beautiful song that begins and ends each episode we do.
0: Yeah, you did a great job.
1: Yeah, rock and roll, Pete. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, so.
0: But what are we talking about
1: tonight? Well, today we will begin with a question. I admit, it might be a hard one to answer and it might require a lot of thought. So I'll give you a second after asking it to make your choice. Our beloved listeners, yes, that of course includes you too, Pete. I'm asking you the very same question. It's a yes or no question. So only two choices. Zach, would you like to have supernatural powers?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Now... What would you do to get them? It's just—I uh, mean, a lot. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I'm gonna need more direction, cause absolutely right,
1: absolutely. <laughs> that's that's the point. Yeah, just getting those, uh, just getting those those thoughts turning.
0: Yeah, because I do a lot of things,
1: a okay, lot of well, bad things. well, let's, well a we, lot of good things too. Well, here we go. Um, Hatali, translated to English, means singer. A Hatali is the term for a Navajo medicine man, due to the amount of singing incorporated in their countless rituals and healing practices. A medicine man can be either a man or a woman. Gender is not a barrier to the art. In order to begin a Hatali's training, one must first become an apprentice to an elder experienced Hatali. As the apprenticeship blossoms and the novice learns his or her craft, they are taught How to assemble medicine bundles needed to carry out particular ceremonies. They serve in the shadow of their teacher until the teacher feels the student has mastered the craft and is capable of practicing on his or her own. Every chant takes an extensive amount of time to perfect and memorize, meaning that a Hitali will only learn if you select chants. It's a pretty uh, strenuous training regimen. Sounds like it. Yeah, these chants are Pretty rigorous. S- it's very rigorous. Yeah, a lot involved. A lot of uh, traditions. A lot of things. A lot of dot and i's crossing t's, singing. Pressing flesh. Pressing flesh. I don't know if they're pressing flesh. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. I don't know. It's uh, just a weird uh, thing to say. <laughs> well, it applies to this show. Yeah. Which, if we did not mention in the beginning, is weird and feared.
0: Oh, we did not. This is the weird. We and We always feared, forget to do that
1: because we just get so involved. Hey, by the
0: way, we're weird and feared.
1: Yeah, he is. That's a weird. I'm feared. Or if, he's, if you, yeah.
0: You are probably confused until you got to this point. But yeah, this yeah. is weird and feared. This
1: is weird and feared, baby. Yeah. So many other Native <laughs> American medical practitioners rely on... Oh yeah, hold on. So these chants or songs are taught in an oral tradition from one generation to the next. Many other Native American medical practitioners rely on personal powers and visions, but the Hatali of the Navajo works as a conduit summoning and transferring power from the holy people to their patient, the purpose of which is to reestablish balance and harmony. Hmm. The ceremonies required for these practices are conducted inside a ceremonial hogan, which is a traditional Navajo living quarters with an opening on the east side of the structure. Interesting. Now, do you pay a hatali for their care? Traditionally, yes. And before the modern age, healing was given, in exchange for sheep, for sheep, for sheep, not a sheep not a sheep squatch, not a sheep squatch, <laughs> <It's like, laughs> just a sheep. Huh? You have yeah. a sheep squatch when you want to tip them real well. Yeah, it's like, oh, thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. So, okay. oh, all right, cool. I hope it's good. You chained all its feet so it can't run away. It's not, <laughs> and you put a muzzle on its beak and its mouth, mm-hmm. its snout. Yeah. And you shaved its horns down. You're very courteous. Yeah, it's just a sheep. Otherwise, this thing would rip me apart. (laughs) Well, these days, money is used because, well, that makes sense. And, I mean, everybody needs money. Yeah. As a deeply religious people, uh, the medicine man's role in Navajo life cannot be understated. Their people believe that not only can a hatali cure ailments of the body and mind through their incantations, they can also prevent them. They serve as mystical warriors, defending and warring against that which would do their people harm. Along with their songs and incantation, a Hatali uses herbs and prayers to heal their patients from what afflicts them. Huh. So they got some they got some serious juice. Yeah, they're like a paladin barred multi class. That is exactly what they are. And I don't talk about it much in here, but it's worth mentioning in this part that, um like traditional, like modern medicine people have worked with navajo and of like all the natural like healers and stuff like that like their Mm -hmm. techniques used with modern medicine are like the most effective so there's actually some shit involved with what they have to do it's wild it does yeah right i didn't look up those specific things but it was a common thing like they've they're able to use things and they actually it's
0: like something they do releases the right endorphin or whatever whatever is going on type thing yeah or that's pretty crazy
1: right so that's pretty cool um now anyone can become a Hatali, but the education, as we kind of established earlier, is long and tedious. But once learned, one knowledge and rank among his or her tribe is elevated significantly. Uh, it matters to be of this, you know, I mean rank it sounds in important, class, right? Yeah. A student receives his skill again from his teacher, but it is unlikely that the student will be able to help in more than three of the nine days' ceremonies per year, which makes the learning curve particularly difficult and effectively slow.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, Some ceremonies last mere hours, but there are over 50 varying rituals that can be performed for many reasons. Becoming a medicine man is no easy task. According to legend, before coming to this realm, the Navajo, also the Diné, traveled between three varying worlds, making the realm we inhabit the fourth world, or the glittering world. How do you feel about living in the glittering world? i'm cool i'm all right with it as long as i don't get glitter stuck in all my clothes and stuff but yeah luckily it's a more of a metaphor good and i touched on this earlier but they they believe that there are two classes of beings the earth people and the holy people okay these people the holy people possess incredible power and are able to help or hurt the earth people in fact, many centuries ago... Hopefully help. Hopefully, I mean, right. The last thing you want to hear about when you find out someone that's called the holy people, they have many powers, is that they want to just destroy you. I mean, I guess... It'd be questionable. It, demons would be kind of holy, right? Well, this... Um, They're just unholy. What I'm about to tell you kind of reminds me of a story. Okay. Uh because these people possess incredible power and are able to help or hurt the Earth people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. But many centuries ago, the holy people instructed the Navajo how to live their lives and achieve this balance between Father Sky, Mother Earth, and other creatures that dwell on her. Now, while not the same thing, that reminds me a lot of the watchers coming to Earth mm. to teach people stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying the holy people are angels from a different religion. I'm just saying that story is pretty similar. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming down from the heavens to teach people the ways of the world. Right. It sounds like the same story, except that this was okay. There wasn't somebody above them being pissed that the, uh, you know his, yeah. his, his angels gave away his secrets. Said, hey, I said not to do that. Yeah, don't do that. This is, they got to figure out themselves. Yeah. Don't teach them makeup. It's too hard. <laughs> It's too hard. We're watching them and it's so hard to watch these people just bash rocks against each other's heads. Yeah. Can we please teach them how to be civilized and (laughs) just a little bit, please? Yeah. It's my experiment. Well, it's fucking torturous for them. They're sentient beings. They don't know any better. You're being a kind of a dick right now. And I don't
0: remember which angel was like, yeah, I'm going to teach him makeup.
1: Azazel. Azazel. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you got to look pretty. Yeah. You got to look pretty while you bash that dude with a rock. Exactly. But then, of course, in that legend, he teaches them makeup, makes everybody look pretty. And then what do they do? like now you're good (laughs) yeah gotcha yeah
0: (laughs) it's
1: like like, all right what if i what if i change those clothes a little bit yeah what if you look oh just put a little now you're more my type now you're talking (laughs) why are you making me wear these fake wings it's just something I. (laughs) yeah don't don't worry about it yeah so unlike um unlike those people these holy people stationed um, four sacred mountains on this planet to represent the four different directions. There is Mount Blanca to the east, Mount Taylor to the south, San Francisco Peak to the west, and Mount Hesperus to the north. This was the birth of Navajo Land. Hmm. Each direction is associated with its own color: white shell for the east, turquoise for the south, yellow, Abalone or abalone for the west, and jet black representing the north clearly you know i'm addressing some navajo culture giving mm-hmm. me a set on the stage yeah with four directions four seasons four colors the four sacred mountains four songs in most navajo rituals and the first four clans it is hard to avoid the significance of the number four in navajo culture navajo wedding baskets also utilize the number four The Navajo originally migrated from northwestern Canada and eastern Alaska and settled into what is now the southwestern part of the United States, primarily around the Four Corners region of New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Four Corners region of the United States, which wouldn't be known as this until these states became states. Number four, Four Corners? Mm -hmm. Coincidence? Destiny? That's pretty wild, though. Yeah, that's pretty weird. It's like, oh. The Navajo brushed up against the United States Army in 1846. They sure did. During the Mexican-American War. Here we go. All right. Stephen W. Kearney invaded Santa Fe with 1,600 men on November 21, 1846, following an invitation from a small party of American soldiers under the command of Captain John Reed, who journeyed deep into Navajo country and contacted Narbona and other Navajo negotiated a treaty of peace with Colonel, uh, Colonel Alexander Donovan at Bear Springs. Ojo del Oso, later to the site of Fort Wingate. It's just it's a bunch of stuff over there. This agreement was not honored by some Navajo, nor by some New Mexicans. Needless to say, they weren't exactly the best of friends. Yeah. The Navajo raided New Mexican livestock, and New Mexicans took women, children, and livestock from the Navajo. So nobody's getting along. In 1849, the military governor of New Mexico led a force of 400 soldiers into Navajo country, penetrating Canyon de Chile. The military governor signed a treaty with Mariano Martinez- as head chief, and Shepetone as second chief of the Navajo. They made a treaty. Mm -hmm. The treaty transferred jurisdiction from the United Mexican States to the United States. Uh, This permitted forts and trading posts to be built on Navajo domains. A promise was made to the Navajo that, uh, quote in this Wikipedia, this is a quote from Wikipedia, it's quoted in the article, such donations and such other liberal and humane measures as it may deem meet and proper. They would receive these things. That promise was made, but I mean, you can guess how that worked out. Yeah. It wasn't exactly, wasn't exactly kept. Additionally, I mentioned the um, that important man Narbona. hmm Well, as he headed to the treaty signing, he was killed. Oh. Understandably, this made the signing of the treaty especially contentious. Mm-hmm. Blood starting to boil. Mm-hmm. As it often did with. Those uh, uh, Americans and, those times. and Native Americans. Yeah, those times. Well, um, we're getting to a thing, but before we get to that thing, we're going to be experiencing a little bit of those times. Okay. So um, happiness may not be on the horizon oh. for the Navajo people. Yeah. With the green light given before green lights were even a thing, United States forts were erected on Navajo lands over the next 10 years. This was done to protect U.S. citizens and the Navajo From each other. That was the official word. Again, you can guess how this actually worked out. Mm -hmm. The two groups were not friends. Spanish-Mexican, Navajo raids, and explorations did not stop. Because they're just shifting back and forth in each other's territory because, you know, the people still felt that this was their land. Mm -hmm. In contrast to the wants of the territorial governor, over 400 New Mexican militia captured women and children, turning them into slaves, murdered Navajo warriors... And annihilated their Hogans, which we talked about earlier, their special homes, their dwelling places. And obliterated their crops. This period, between 1860 and 1861, became known as the Nahanzud. Do you want to know what that means? Probably doesn't mean anything good. It means the fearing time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Well, let me introduce you to Kit Carson. He was born on Christmas Eve, 1809. Christopher Houston Carson. Kit Carson. They really I feel don't, like I know that name. You may, because he's a, he's a kind of a notorious mm-hmm. Wild West type guy. But I mean, to start with, he's not the first person I came across where Kit is a nickname for Christopher. That doesn't happen much anymore. No. They really don't make nicknames like they used to. Guess not. Kit's early life was spent in Boone's Lick, Missouri. Because, of course, a town in Missouri is called Boone's Lick. (laughs) (laughs) Boone's Lick, Missouri. Yeah. At the youthful, jubilant, generally carefree age of nine, his dad died. Bummer. Like any good origin story from the 1800s, Kit would have to work, and this got in the way of his education. He didn't get one. Yeah. He worked for a saddle maker and learned the trade until he was 14. At age 16, he called Missouri quits... He called Missouri quits and did what any teenage boy dreams of doing and became a mountain man. Oh, I still dream of doing that. <laughs> Which of course also involves being a trapper and he headed West. It's fine. I could do that. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to lie. Much of this biographical information comes from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So some of this stuff is straight off there because we need facts and it gives us the facts. Mm hmm. In the 1830s, uh, Kid accompanied Ewing Young on an expedition to Mexican California and joined fur trapping expeditions into Rocky into the Rocky Mountains. From about 1828 to 1831, Carson used Taos. Taos. Do you want know to pronounce that? T A O S. Have you heard of that pronounced in real life? Cause I, would, I hadn't. Taos. I would say taos. Taos. Okay, we'll say Taos for now. New Mexico, as a base camp for repeated fur-trapping expeditions that often took him as far west as California. Later Mm -hmm. in the 1830s, his trapping took him up to the Rocky Mountains and throughout the west. For a time in the early 1840s, he was employed by William Bent as a hunter at Bent's Fort. He's doing mountain man stuff. Mm -hmm. He's living your dream. Yeah. Mountain man stuff. Wikipedia also says, as was the case with many white trappers... Carson became, and this is what they say, somewhat integrated into the Indian world. Mm -hmm. He traveled and lived extensively among Indians. He's accepted. And his first two wives were Arapaho and Cheyenne women. So I guess having two Indian wives is quite, quote, somewhat integrated, quote. (laughs) Somewhat. Somewhat integrated. Yeah. Anyways, Wikipedia goes on. Carson was evidently unusual among trappers, however, for his self-restraint and temperate lifestyle, quote, clean as a houndstooth, quote, according to one acquaintance, and a man whose, quote, word was as sure as the sun coming up, quote. He was noted for an unassuming manner and a placable courage. In 1861, we all know what happened. The American Civil War broke out. Sure did. Carson left his job as an Indian agent because he had become one of them. I suppose that's a job you might be able to get. Yeah. When you go back to the white guys, like, I, I married two of them. I got this. Yeah. Didn't, you Don't pe- worry, I'm integrated. Yeah, I've, I've integrated a few times. <laughs> and I think it said he went on, he had, like, Carson between, he eventually has a third wife. So, But he has, like, ten kids. But, I mean, oh. but I mean back then kids died fast, so you kind of had to do that. <laughs> <things. laughs> it's, it's true. Right? It's kind of... Oh. That rabbit mentality was kind of, it was literally like survival of like, well, let's see which one of you guys make it. Yeah. Oh, you make good job.
0: Huh. You all made it. Uh-oh. Yeah,
1: whoa. Oh, <laughs> I oversold that one. Well, now nobody gets an inheritance. Yeah. Hey, what? Yeah. Well, when the Civil War broke out, Carson joined the Union Army as a lieutenant. He led the first New Mexico volunteer infantry and trained the new men. In October 1861, he was made a colonel. The Volunteers fought the Confederate forces in the Battle of Valverde in New Mexico in February 1862. Then the Confederates won this battle, but were later defeated in June and retreated to Texas. Or Tejas. Tejas. Tejas, whatever you prefer. Tejas. Now, once the Confederates were driven from New Mexico, Carson's commander, Major General James Henry Carleton, turned his attention to the Native Americans. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, you just defeated the Confederates, guys. Just can't you just leave well enough alone? Yeah, just
0: leave them alone.
1: Just, no, you're in the desert. Nobody wants that. Except the people who think, who know that they've been living there for centuries. Yeah. But they know. We want war. Well, everybody listening to this podcast will love Carlton because Wikipedia says he was a miserable, vengeful, and wicked person. Oh, yeah. And that's just the Wikipedia summation of who he is. Huh. So I can, uh, on his it- obsession, go ahead. Are you gonna say something?
0: He went from being Clean's hound's tooth.
1: No, that's that's oh. that's Kit Carson. Oh, okay. Right. Kit had a commander, and that oh, okay. that was right. James right. Henry Carleton. Yeah. All right. Cool. A lot, lot of kits and Carlton, Yeah. But no, Carlton, he didn't have any quirky nickname. But I would just like to stress that maybe his nickname should just be Monster because. Oh yeah. Because on his obsession with indigenous peoples, author and historian Edwin Sabin said he had a, quote, psychopathic hatred of the Apaches, end quote. Shh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not a fan. Not, not. He's not
0: getting integrated anytime he's, soon. He's not
1: on Team Apache. No. Absolutely not. Carlton led his forces deep in the Mescalero Apache territory. The Mescaleros were tired of fighting and put themselves under Carlton, uh, put themselves under Carson's protection. Carlton put these Apaches on a remote and lonely reservation on the Picos River. Hmm. So there's a whole... where I'm talking mainly, obviously, about the Navajo, but they dealt with the Apache first. So there's Mm -hmm. a whole mess of bad stuff that happens to the Apaches before they give themselves up and decide to go on this little reservation Carlton's made for them. Okay. Yeah. But Kit was no fan of the Apaches either. He wrote in a report that the... uh, Jacarilla... Or Jicarilla, depending on. Or Jicarilla. I, you know. J I K A R I L L A. Apaches, quote, were truly the most degraded and troublesome Indians we have in our department. We daily witness them in a state of intoxication in our plaza. I don't know why when people call places of land plazas, but. Because now plaza is just like a bunch of stores. Yeah. So it's kind of been degraded as a term. What can you do? Wikipedia stresses that Carson half-heartedly supported Carlton's plans. He was, um, you know, Kit Carson, Carlton, different guys. Yep. To those listening, just to keep those two separate. Yep. He was tired and had suffered an injury two years before that gave him great trouble. He resigned from the army in 1863. Now, remember how I said that Carlton was a miserable, vengeful, and wicked person? Yeah, what's rather, he do? Wikipedia. Well, Carlton refused to accept the re- resignation. So oh. he's like, no, you're not. Oh. You're yeah, you know, because he wanted Carson to lead a campaign against the Navajo. So this guy feels like shit and he's about done. He's mm-hmm. like and he's like, No, no. No. We get stuff for you to do. And as mentioned just moments before, Carleton had chosen a bleak site on the Picos River for his reservation, which was called the Bosque Redondo or Round Grove. He chose this site for the Apaches and Navajos because it was far from white settlements. He also wanted these Apaches and Navajo to act as a buffer for any aggressive acts committed upon the white settlements from Kiwaz and Comanches to the east of Bosque Redondo. So basically, you know, white people aren't going to go there because it's a garbage place, I guess, or it's remote. It's not easy to live in. Right. So he stuck all these Native Americans in one spot. So if other Native Americans came to attack the white people, they have to go through these people first. <laughs> So he built a wall of human beings, is what I'm saying. So
0: he threw a civilization in between. (laughs) Like
1: it's as dramatic as you say, yeah. Because that's absolutely what it did. Uh, Yeah, because it was so remote, he assumed white people would not settle around that area. Well, New Mexico Department Commander. So basically New Mexico also I don't touch on cuz we wouldn't need to talk about the entire history of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But New Mexico was a military district basically ruled by like a military governor. It's like martial law the whole it's like it's a whole, you know, territories are bizarre things. Right,
0: it's different. Absolutely. Than
1: anything we deal with nowadays. No. It's just you're in command and it's a it's a, I mean it is just like a military dictatorship. dictatorship right, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Carlton concentrated on the threat posed by Apache and Navajo raiders. His first campaign was against the Mescalero Apaches, which I already addressed, but they were led by Mangus Coloradas. Was, That's a, a, <laughs> was a state named after him?
0: Maybe. I'm I'm guessing so. I mean, he's, I mean, he's got a cool name as it is.
1: And he was he was in charge of the Mescalero Apaches. Hmm. Well, in October 1862, Carlton established Fort Sumner. To house, and this is basically in. I found out because it's referred to in two different as two different things. Like Fort Sumner is like the fort at Bosque Redondo, so it's the same. That same, basically, his little his little reservation town he made. Uh, to house captured Mescalero Apache, uh, despite warnings of its unsuitability uh, unsuitability for a large human presence. So it's not big enough for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, now we've been talking a lot about Carlton, yeah people saying he's miserable he's a bad guy um would you like to know about a notorious quote from this man's very lips? Yes, and how he felt about the apaches I'm sure it's it's very colorful I mean it's good quote i again me saying good is quote it's yeah. a little it's a little sarcastic right just to anyone listening straight because. Quote, according to Carlton, quote, all Indian men of that tribe are to be killed whenever and wherever you can find them. If the Indians send in a flag of truce, say to the bearer, you know, person with the flag. Right. Yeah, naturally. That you have been sent to punish them for their treachery and their crimes. That you have no power to make peace and that you are there to kill them wherever you can find them. Wow. So, okay. He's right out of the there pit, to murder them. He's just a ma- He's just there. There's no other function They surrender. It's like, too bad. You better surrender with your lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No surrender. No mercy. Okay. No surrender. No mercy. Well, in January 1863, Mangus Coloradas agreed to meet with U.S. military leaders at Fort McLean near present-day Hurley in southwestern New Mexico. Mangus Coloradas arrived under a white flag of truce to meet with Colonel Joseph Rodman West. Hmm. At least it wasn't the other guy. Well... Uh, Colonel Joseph Rodman West is under the command of Mr. Carlton. Oh. Um, I mean, Rodman is, yeah, he's an officer of the California Volunteers, but I think we, we all know the orders here. Mm-hmm. So armed soldiers took Coloradas into custody, and West is reported to have ordered the sentries to execute the Apache leader. That night, Mangus Coloradas was tortured with heated bayonets shot and killed as he was, and Wikipedia has this in quotation marks. Again, he was shot and killed as he was trying to escape. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the following day, the soldiers cut off his head, boiled it, okay. and sent the skull to the Masonian Institution. I mean, what? What? what <laughs> I mean, What? Just we think this would look good. Yeah. In the display. Yeah. Here we got this for you. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Um. Liberia Cong- Cong- Congress. Do you wanna? Do you want this skull?
0: He was trying to surrender.
1: Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was trying. Well, he was, he was trying to escape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or negotiate. Yeah. He was. He was. <laughs> wink, wink. <yeah, laughs> yeah. Arguing for his salvation. Wink, wink. And we. <laughs> I mean.
0: So he boiled his
1: head. And here's his skull. Yeah. You're welcome. And I mean, I hope, I hope somebody, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, you are welcome. Uh-huh. Hopefully somebody at the Missoni wasn't like, where's the rest of them? Yeah. Well, <laughs> now he's incomplete. Yeah. So as you can imagine, the mutilation of Colorado's body increased the hostility of the Apaches toward the United States. No, Because, why? I mean, of course it was. Yeah. No. Well, we already established, eventually the Apache are dealt with and they're sent to Bosque Redondo. Right. Carlton shifted his attention toward the Navajo and put Kit Carson in command. Okay. Against, uh, against the, and again, Wikipedia uses another direct quote, great evil of the Navajo raiders, he began scorched earth tactics, stating they, quote, must be whipped and fear us before they will cease killing and robbing the people, quote. His campaign against the Navajos was relentless, and his primary field commander, yes, Kit Carson, um, after the Navajo surrender... At Canyon de Chelly, the entire nation was forced on the long walk to Fort Sumner. Carlton, you know, this great man, mm-hmm. quote, found severity would be the most humane course, quote. So, I mean, he just lives in opposite town. Yeah, wh- this just, guy is... He's not He's good. out there. He's not... He's... Again, he's living a different life. Again, he's a monster. That He's a monster, and I mean, we know he wasn't the only monster in this time period, but for this story, he's a very particular monster. Yeah. And felt removing the Navajo was in their best interests. After the journey, 2,000 Navajos remained unaccounted for. Oh, damn. With official records stating 336 died along the way. Just a couple. Now, here's a little swerve or a little plot twist or just a little perhaps development. Did they escape? Um, well, the answer to that is no. Oh, <laughs> damn. But... Carlton used Fort Sumner, which already held Mescalera Apaches, to house the Navajos, again, despite its such, you know, the insu- unsuitability mm-hmm. for of the environment. The Mescalera Apaches walked 130 miles to the reservation. By March 1863, 400 Apaches had settled around nearby Fort Sumner. Others had fled, some escaped, so, to join fugitive bands of Apaches. So, the, you know, there's renegades. The outlaws are just basically trying to live. But, right. You know. Because they don't want to die. But middle summer, you know, many of these people were planting crops and doing their farm work. On July 7th, Carson, again, Wikipedia, again, this is the guy who tried to retire. Yeah. And he was like, no, you got Indians to kill. I mean, I mean, can't you just stop? Right. Like, I'm sure he really, he's like, all right, I'll just.
0: Like, if I was going to quit my job and they were like, no, you got to keep doing it. I'd be like. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming back. I'm done. I'm yeah. done.
1: And plus he has like injuries, unless did they, again, I didn't dive into exactly why, because I just figured he was okay with just killing Native Americans, but maybe they gave him a pay bump. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, or gave him some, I mean, there's gotta land. be some
0: sort of motivation there.
1: Or again, if he's living under the dictatorships of this military man, maybe he doesn't have a choice.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true too. I, fer- I forgot about the right. the military dictatorship right. side of things. Maybe
1: he would honestly like be court It's not actually something. a choice it's, at that point. He's like, no, no, you got you got things to yeah. kill. And the, nobody around this time was saying this, but like those things were people, human beings. Yeah, but again, Wikipedia tries to keep saying how exhausted he is. Um, it stresses his disil- disillusionment by stating he had little heart for the Navajo roundup but he still started the campaign against the tribe. His orders were almost the same as those... So his
0: heart's not in, but he's going to get the job done.
1: Right, which is even almost worse. He's just apathetic to, like, well, you know, murder. Mm -hmm. His orders were almost the same as those for the Apache Roundup. He was to shoot all males on sight and take the women and children captive. No peace treaties were to be made until all the Navajo were on the reservation. So, like... We have you captured. You want peace, right? Well, I think think at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, despite his apparent half-hearted interest in his mission, Kit Carson, Christopher Carson, was unrelenting. He found their homes, fields, animals, and orchards and destroyed them. But the Navajo were experts at disappearing quickly and hiding in their vast lands. The roundup proved frustrating for Carson. Wikipedia says he was in his 50s, tired and ill. So he's just like miserable and sick. Yeah. He's old. He hates what he's doing. He doesn't like it at all. He's tried quitting a couple times. He's just like, no. By autumn 1863, Carson started to burn the Navajo homes and fields and remove their animals from the area. The Navajo would starve if this destruction continued. 188 Navajos surrendered and were sent to Bosque Redondo. Life at the Bosque had turned grim. Murders took place. And I had not addressed this earlier, but it is a huge twist because the Apache and Navajo are both stuck on this land. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who hates each other? Guess who aren't friends?
0: Probably the Apache and Navajo. Yeah, so...
1: um,
0: You put them there to... On purpose, together.
1: The, the Apaches and Navajos fought. The water in the Pecos contained minerals that gave people cramps and stomach aches. Ew. Residents had to walk 12 miles to find firewood. Jeez. it's a, I mean... That's,
0: that's some guy's job every day.
1: And to keep this buddy cop comedy going, Carson wanted to take a winter break from the campaign... But Major General Carleton refused, ordering him to invade the Canyon de Chile, where many the Navajos had taken refuge. He was asking for a break. He's like, no. I already tried to quit, and can I just have a break? No. Invade the canyon. Oh, my God. Huh. I mean, I suppose he... Couldn't he have just left New Mexico? Couldn't he have left the territory? Well... So, like, how much did he hate this? Like, what kind of... This is... What a weird! What a speaking of weird and fear! What a weird like dead end job. Yeah, I'm just committing murder every day. Yeah, I'm oh. kind of over it. Yeah, can I go home? Yeah,
0: to my what was it Navajo wife? They you're making <laughs> you're making me kill all.
1: <laughs> well, luckily, yeah, the Arapahoe.
0: Uh, or uh, uh, yeah, that's what it was. But
1: yeah, and the Cheyenne. Yeah. It was he, that was, I yeah, think yeah. Cheyenne
0: was his second wife. Yeah, but still.
1: That's what I love too. He's married into two Indian communities in mm-hmm. the past. So he treats them, he's respected them enough to like, because you know he befriended people in these communities, but he's like, well, those are the good ones. These are the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, whatever he was doing to justify it to himself was not exactly ideal. Um, but historian David Roberts writes that Carson's sweep through the Canyon de Chelly in the winter of 1863-1864 would prove to be the decisive action in the campaign. Sure. Uh, the Canyon de Chelly was a sacred place for the Navajo. They believed that it would be now be their strongest sanctuary. But as I just said before... I kind of spoil it because Uh it's not a sanctuary. Not for long, at least. No. 300 Navajo took refuge on the canyon rim at a place called Fortress Rock. They resisted Carson's invasion by building rope ladders and bridges, lowering water pots into a stream and keeping quiet and out of sight. These 300 Navajo survived the invasion. In January 1864, Carson swept through the 35-mile canyon with his forces. The thousands of peach trees in the canyon... The thousands of peach trees in the canyon were cut down. He cut down thousands of trees. So they would have nothing to eat. Yeah. Right? That's why you would do that. Yeah. During that, I guess, few Navajo were killed or captured. Probably because everybody's too focused on cutting down trees. Yeah. Carson's invasion, however, proved to the Navajo that the United States would invade their country at any time. Many Navajos surrendered at Fort Canby. By by March 1864, there were three thousand refugees at Fort Canby. Additional of five thousand arrived in the camp. They were suffering from the intense cold and hunger. Carson asked for supplies to feed and clothe them. Um, the article didn't tell me if he got them, but I'm I'm probably I'm assuming he didn't. Right? Like, no, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, we're not keeping them alive. That's not the goal. No, that's it's a waste of a. Uh resources yeah so then thousands of navajo were led to bosque redondo and many died along the way stragglers in the rear were shot and killed (laughs) i mean
0: you're moving too slow it's now you're dead
1: it's not in navajo history this horrific trek is known as the long walk of the navajo and i'm still building to a moment but this is, the sec- this is the first peak that I have been building to mm-hmm. because I couldn't just throw the long walk of the Navajo at you. I mean, this is, it's an ongoing murder campaign.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, so uh, 53 separate marchers occurred to get these people to the Redondo. Um, some anthropologists claim that the, quote, collective trauma of the long walk is critical to contemporary Navajo's sense of identity as a people. Hmm. Yeah. Think it would leave an impression? I mean, it's just... People always talk about the Trail of Tears, but this is that for these people. Right, and it's just
0: yeah. Trail of Tears was Cherokee, right? I think so. I believe so. So
1: they're already... And that's, you know... We're out west now taking care of this. Yeah. Um, so the long walk started in the beginning of spring in 1864. Bands of Navajo led by the army were re- relocated from their traditional lands in Eastern Arizona Territory and Western New Mexico Territory to Fort Sumner and Bosque Um This area in uh navajo by the navajo was called Hawildi. so Hawildi, navajo term basque yep. redondo yep. american spanish right yeah colonial name mm-hmm. yeah which in uh in spanish means river bottom forest usually containing cottonwood trees just more facts Wait, what? that's what Bosque redondo means <laughs> oh, okay very yeah. specific yeah you know river bottom forest that usually contains cottonwood trees fine yeah, as you can imagine, the march was one. Yeah, I mean, who knows, man? Spanish just terms, <laughs> just terms. Uh, uh-huh. The march was one that was very difficult and pushed many Navajos to their breaking point, including death. The it's a distance breaking point for sure. It's the ultimate. I mean, at that point, you are broken. The distance itself was cruel, but the fact that they did not receive any aid from the soldiers was devastating. Not every single person was in prime condition to trek 400 miles. Can you imagine trekking 400 miles? In my car? Yes. Yeah. Uh That would be, that would probably be a stroll. Well, even a stroll. It's a long stroll. It's still still a long time. It's still like an all day (laughs) thing. It still takes forever. But yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But that's modern. (laughs) I know, right? I know. Many began the walk exhausted and malnourished. Others were not properly clothed. Yeah, because they've been starved out
0: of their lands.
1: Yeah, they've been on the run. Yeah. They've been fighting for their lives. So they're not doing
0: great already.
1: It's like, all right, time to walk. Oh, my God. How far? Like, oh, just over there? It's a little little, little bit of a... A little be, further. You guys will be walking in your four miles. What is that? <laughs> yeah. This is a form. 400 miles is what? Yeah, ex- explain, hey, white man, explain this, for, explain this mile shit to me again. Yeah. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a long way to walk. Yeah. And, you know... Longest walk I ever did. I did a 12-day uh,
1: backpacking walk- trip, and I didn't clear 100 miles. Oh, my God. That was 12 days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As I'm reading this, it's just... Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, guys... It's just like no Mert, nothing. This, I mean, who do we say is the real monster? All right. Neither sympathy nor remorse were given to the Navajos. Duh. They were never informed as to where they were going, why they were being relocated, or how long it would take to get there. Or how long it would take to get there. Well, one account passed through generations within the Navajos, shows the attitude of the U.S. Army as follows. So this is a little mini-story about a situation that happened on the Long Walk. It was said that those ancestors were on the Long Walk with their daughter, who was pregnant and
0: about to give birth. That doesn't sound like an easy walk, especially when pregnant.
1: Well, the daughter got tired and weak and couldn't keep up with the others or go further because of her condition. So my ancestors, again, this is an account, Mm -hmm. asked the army to hold up for a while and let the woman give birth. Seems reasonable. But the soldiers wouldn't do it. They forced my people to move on, saying that they were getting behind the others. The soldier told the parents that they had to leave their daughters behind. Quote, Your daughter is not going to survive anyway. Sooner or later, she is going to die. Okay. They said in their own language. Quote, Go ahead. Quote, the daughter said to her parents. Quote, Things might come out all right with me. Quote, but the poor. Th-, end quote, but the poor thing was mistaken. My grandparents used to say. Not long after they had moved on. They heard a gunshot from where they had been a short time ago. Oh, jeez. So, that happened. Hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah, good job, everybody. When do I get my superpowers? Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this tunnel is dark and dreary and horrifying. Yeah. On Wikipedia, a few of those numbers say citation needed. Um, But when it comes to things like this, I mean, the best we'll ever get are estimates. Mm -hmm. Like, you think these people were keeping a hard track of how many people they killed or who was just like the less the better, right? It's just like, is there more? There's less now, I think. That's good. Yeah, huh. I mean, I don't know.
0: Right? I mean, it's just... It sounds miserable for everybody. Even if I try to put myself in like a soldier's shoes here. Sure. It's like, well, this sucks. I got to walk 400 miles, and I'm getting fed the entire time, and it still sucks. Right, and, and it's like, oh, and I got to watch these people just be murdered along the way. Which,
1: right, and I mean, as if there's any humanity in you at all, like you just have to repress that shit. Right, you're just, you're still seeing dead bodies all the time. Yeah, I mean. And especially some of these guys just got done fighting Confederates to save the Union, so now it's time to go on like a murder spree. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's just relax.
0: Yeah, and the Civil War was no walk through the park. Like.
1: Yeah, bloodshed. Yeah, constant just death, carnage. Death was in the air. Yeah, and then we just figured, let's not. Let's just have more death. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So. so- yeah no, I mean just you know its, it's crazy just yeah. everything needs everything just needs to die, yeah kill everything, yeah, it's fine, so are you, are you uh American though you're white are you know you'll be all right, but then again, <laughs> civil war, we kill each other because we're a bunch of fucking idiots, mm hmm just let it go, guys, you didn't need to. all right, and by let it go, I mean, just let go of the slaves guys, you didn't you know, I mean come on, get over it, mm-hmm. what a person was was very relative, and it's just always frustrating. Uh, But one of these numbers I was talking about, at least 200 died during the 18-day, 300-mile, you know, 500-kilometer trek, 300, 400 miles. I think it depends on where they found you, really. Between 8,000 and 9,000 people were settled on an area of 40 square miles, with a peak population of 9,022 by the spring of 1865. Damn. I mean, and they're not living in good conditions. Yeah, there was many... During the march, there was actually as many as 50 groups, taking one of seven known routes. They each took a different path, but were on the same trail. So there's like multiple marches. I mean, it's just horrifying. Um, and when, when returning to the Navajo lands, they reformed their group to become one. This group was 10 miles long. 10 miles of people is what they said that this march was. It's got to be a lot of people. It's, I mean, it's towns. It's a whole town. Some of these Navajos escaped and hit out with Coma- uh, Comanches, Apaches, that were running from General Cook in what is known as Cimarron Mesa, southeast of present day. We don't need that. It's just a highway nowadays. They're in Alamo Springs. Yeah, that's fine. That we don't need. It just says that, yeah, a lot of Apaches and Navajos escaped. to get, they, they joined forces. Good. Common, yeah. The, you're, the enemy of my enemy is my with friend. My friend, yeah. And, like, we're clearly, we need to be friends here, guys. Yeah. All right, but like I talked about before, um, well, the Basque Redondo, um was made of several tribes, more than two. It was two tribes and many internment camps, because that's what they're calling them—internment camps. I mean, they're 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 concentration camps. Furthermore, the initial plan was for around five thousand people to be in this place. Yeah, not ten thousand men, women, children. Mm-hmm. Water and firewood were major issues from the start The water was brackish And the round grove of trees was quite small Nature and humans both caused crop failures every year The corn crop was infested with army worms And failed repeatedly The Pecos River flooded and washed out The head gates of the irrigation system In 1865, Navajo began leaving By 1866, reports indicated That Bosque Redondo was a complete failure And Major General Carlton Was fired Oh. Finally someone decided that he was terrible at whatever he was doing. Yeah. Congress started investigations. Well good. Finally, like I mean they knew about this. Mm-hmm. Right? You think? Right? Yeah. yeah. I would think so. Uh, they'd known about it for years. Yeah. Uh just cause it was a shit show and they're like, oh fuck, well. Oh, yeah. uh, you're fired. In eighteen sixty eight, a treaty was signed and the Navajo were allowed to return to their homeland. Bosque Redondo was closed. This is one of the few times that happened. Oh! They I, went back to. The, I've never heard of that happening. They went back to the Navajo land, and um, I don't know if I talk about it in here, but the Navajo land now is the largest concentration of like it's doing well, and it's like an awesome place, huh. as far as Native reservations go. Gotcha. So you know. Yeah. Uh, by 1867, the remaining Navajo refused to plant a crop. Comanches raided them frequently, and they raided the Comanche once, stealing over a thousand horses. That's a lot of horses. Yeah, it's a lot of horses. Like the Comanche, were they just walking now? Like, shit, all of her horses. The non- yeah, like, that's a lot of horses. <laughs> a thousand horses. Huh. The non-Indian settlers also suffered from the riding parties who were trying to feed their starving people on the Bosque Redondo, and there was inept management of what supplies were purchased for the reservation. The army spent as much as $1.5 million a year to feed the Indians. In 1868, the experiment, meant to be the first Indian reservation west of Indian territory, was abandoned. So if they fucked that up... Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I mean, it sounds like they picked the shittiest spot they could.
1: Right. Which I mentioned was on purpose. Like, let's make them suffer. How are they going to... What are you even doing here?
0: Right. Like, you can't... If you picked a shitty spot, you can't have a
1: bunch of people live there. No. You're you're dumb. You're dumb. I mean, you made this to be a murder camp. And I guess for some reason, like... The United States didn't want it to be a straight-up murder camp, like they just wanted, like they wanted to capture them all clearly yeah. and keep them in one place, but then just let them exist on their own, right? Like a piecemeal, like just you know, like put them here, we'll deal with them later, not just straight up, whatever the fuck he was doing. Yeah, yeah. So the tr- it was called the Treaty of Bosque Redondo, the Treaty of eighteen sixty eight. It was established on June first. So. Um, yeah, Some of the provisions included establishing a reservation, restrictions on writing, a resident Indian agent and agency, compulsory education for children, the supply of seeds, agricultural implements, and other provisions, rights of the Navajos to be protected, establishment of railroads and forts, compensation to tribal members, and arrangements for the return of Navajos to the reservation established by the treaty. So it's almost like the U.S. government actually gave them a bunch of shit because they knew they were terrible. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. I don't know if it's a happy ending to that part of the story, but I mean, it's better than, I guess, other, it's better than nothing, I guess, considering they were just trying to, I mean, massacre everybody. Yeah, I, I guess. Right? I mean, it's better. I know. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. rel- relative, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. And even me saying it sucks is a severe understatement. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, there's a little compromising going on. The Navajo agreed for ten years to send their children to school, and the U.S. government agreed to establish schools with teachers for every thirty Navajo children. So, like, they're sending kids to like you American school. Okay. So I mean, that's.
0: So we're we're trying to start to work together, maybe a little bit.
1: Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit of you know, U.S. like, well, we'll let us kids go to school, and then we'll teach them, you know, not to be Indians. I don't know if it was that kind yeah. of a school. Those schools existed though, so I don't, yeah, I don't sure know what kind did. of school that. But that was. at least they're alive living is, I mean,
0: right? And not being, like, tortured and forced to...
1: (sighs) Right. I don't know if we're shooting pregnant women This and that,
0: though. I know. You know.
1: It's not... The U.S. government also promised for 10 years to give the Navajos annually clothing, goods, and other raw materials not exceeding the value of $5 per person that the Navajos could not manufacture for themselves. Now, back then... Well,
0: $5 is a lot of money back then.
1: Right. But I'm just wondering, so how long in the course of that treaty was to steal this $5. It says $5, yeah, like, but that's yeah. that's not, you know, like, oh, this this treaty does not adjust for inflation. Yeah,
0: 1980 rolls around.
1: It's oh, like, just $5. Five bucks. It's like, damn it. On June 18th, 1868, the once scattered bands of people who call themselves uh, the Dine Navajo set off together on their turn journey, the long walk home. As you can imagine this is one of the few instances where the US government permitted a tribe to return to their traditional boundaries. The Navajo were granted 3.5 million acres of land inside their Four Sacred Mountains. They got the mountains back. Oh. The Navajo also became a more cohesive tribe after the long walk and were able, I mean, shared trauma will do that to you, were able to successfully increase the size of their reservation since then to over 16 million acres. Okay. It's, it's a lot of space. Yeah. After relating 20 pages of material concerning the long walk, Howard Gorman, age 73 at the time, concluded um, he wrote a book, or was part of a book. Mm-hmm. As I have said, our ancestors were taken captive and driven to Hawildi, which I mentioned Mm-hmm. Was the Basque Redondo. For no reason at all. They were harmless people, and even to date, we are the same, holding no harm for anybody. Many Navajos who know our history and the story of Hawildi say the same. From Navajo Stories of the Long Walk. Period. Long Walk Period is the name of the book. I didn't just say a period out loud, <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure. And again, I want to stress these retellings come from Wikipedia, uh discovernavaho.com, uh and ehillerman.unm, which are the works of Tony Hillerman. And I normally wouldn't just read and crap sections from Wikipedia, but considering how fact dense the topic was, I did not want to embellish or, you know, my flavorful dialogue. I just wanted to give you the facts, especially as Wikipedia, the writers of that article summed it up, especially when it's st- like they if they feel I mean,
0: Wikipedia does a pretty
1: decent It's, pre- it's job. pretty precise.
0: They have citations for, like, everything they most do. of the time.
1: So, you know, the articles on Carlton, Carson, the Long Walk, the Navajo, all this stuff kind of comes from a conglomeration of those, mm-hmm. um, those articles. But when the Wikipedia article just flat out says he was a miserable, vengeful person, like, well, I'm just, there's your summation for you. Right. This awful person. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Now, you said it during my Navajo history rant. I started that story with perhaps a non sequitur, but I will ask it again. Would yes, you like I want my, I want you, superpowers. Would you like to have superpowers? Yeah. Okay. I'm really confused as where they're coming from now. Okay. <laughs> you excited to get to it? Yeah. Cuz it, it cuz I mean You can tell me if it's worth the wait, but we are here cause and Cuz that shit was pretty depressing. It was morbid. It was disgusting. It was gruesome. That's
0: part of our history. Right, absolutely. A lot of people don't realize how bad it was. Brutal. that stuff was. But yeah. And I mean,
1: we've talked about you know, real-life murders on this stuff, and we always talk about Native American legends, but we never really, we, we just we talk about the legends. We don't talk about why there's not many of them around to talk to about this shit anymore, unless yeah. we go to a reservation or you know find somebody. Yeah, where are they at. Right. But, so, think about this. hmm Okay. If you were a Navajo, being forced out of your sacred lands during the long walk, wouldn't having superhuman abilities been a huge asset? Hell yeah. According to Navajo culture, like we started, medicine men are capable of magic and outsiders, including European outsiders, um, they've observed them and have said that they were often performing seances. You know, their rituals, their culture. Mm-hmm. They've seen them performing magic, whatever that would entail yeah. to witness, you know. They're seeing the motions go through. Mm -hmm. These rituals, naturally, were to help and heal their people and prevent evil from taking hold at all. But with all magics, where there is compassion, mercy, a side of light, there is a side of dark. Mm -hmm. So, I ask again, what would you do for that power? Especially as an experienced Navajo singer, Someone whose entire world has been obliterated. You were on the run, being hunted, stalked, and when found, captured or massacred. What would you do for that power? I mean, at that point, you pretty much do anything. During their training, all medicine men are given a taste of what true evil is by being trained in the dark arts. But a just soul would never use these horrors. This blasphemy. Huh. But they become very much acquainted with it, giving them the ability to identify it, the knowledge to battle it, and the will to defeat it. But what if your heart had been broken? Your moral compass destroyed? You turn to the dark side. What if mercy and compassion had been stripped from your body by the overwhelming will of imperial strength?
0: I feel, feel like you're about to read me the Sith, Sith code here.
1: What might you do when your thoughts have turned in on themselves and you put your own survival above the survival of your people?
0: Well, I mean, you'd
1: do anything. Well, you might just become a skinwalker. Ooh. Just going to take a sip for a second. Yeah. Let that sink in because um we got there. Yeah. And I know it was a, it was, we had to go through some deep shit, but that's the point. Because. Do
0: you want me to read you the Sith code right now? Um. Do you know the Sith code? Read it to me. Peace is a lie. There's only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall free us.
1: So, how does one become a skinwalker? Would you like me to answer that question? Absolutely. Good. I'm glad you said that. Because for starters, it is hard to know for sure. The Navajo are not quick to speak of the creature with outside strangers and are reserved even when talking to close friends. In fact, and you're with you're we're in this together right now. Right. Because us talking about it now will be looked at as an abomination. Mhm. And invitation for speaking of them at length or even briefly.
0: Oh yeah, you don't speak about the
1: skinwalkers. Could get a skinwalker's attention.
0: Yeah, if there's one near here. If it's so happy, we're in trouble
1: to overhear us. Well, it's a good thing we're not putting this out for more people to hear it. Right? It's not going to be widely available in any. Well, not right now. Streaming services. Oh, okay.
0: Well, well. <laughs> no, maybe we just wipe this
1: episode. Hey, well, <laughs> hey. Well, those listening who may not know what a skinwalker is, what is a skinwalker? And here I put, I know you know, but for those who don't. A poor but not completely incorrect description of a skinwalker is that it is a shapeshifter, but even that term is too broad and generic and does not do the entity's horrific attributes justice. A skinwalker, or a yin douche which translates to, quote, one who walks on all fours, end quote, is a very specific beast. It is no longer human, but is not fully inhuman either. Let me make this clear. Everything I have read describes it as pure evil, but not always evil indeed, because during the day it takes the form of a human, acts human, behaves human, seems human. There could be a skinwalker living in your community, and you would never know it. Unlike a werewolf or a wendigo, Mm -hmm. it is not a totally savage, reckless, flesh-hungry murder machine. It is a thoughtful, calculating, precise, introspective being. It can establish an agenda and stick to it. Its motivations are no different than a mere mortal's because a skinwalker at its core is a witch, a warlock. Navajo witchcraft, which again, many sources say the nefarious have always practiced this, is regarded as a flip side to a medicine man's healing ways. Two sides of the same coin. Where there is light, there is dark. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what shapes can they turn into? What can they? Well, they can turn into anything. I was say, what can't they? Yeah. They can turn into anything, but like any intelligent creature, they have preferences. Mm-hmm. The coyote, wolf, deer, bear, or bird are popular choices. They like predators, but they like deer too. I mean, they like these. These are their. If you're a berry, deers are predators. Yeah. Watch out, berries. Yeah. Here comes the deers. <laughs> They are often depicted as being totally naked or essentially naked, sometimes being draped in the wild furs of their preferred animal. Because of this connection to the skinwalker, wild animal skins outside of sheep or ox or cows, you know, Mm -hmm. are a taboo in Navajo dress and only used in special circumstances. Because because those four animals or five, whatever ones I said, are so associated with skinwalkers, Mm -hmm. they don't even wear them. Because then you might people might think you're a skinwalker. Interesting. They're like,
0: they're like pass. Like, yeah, I don't want to be associated yeah, with I, that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like none. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and some legends say they need the skins to change into that specific animal. Others say it's not necessary, and that they stopped wearing them after it became a dead giveaway that they were a skinwalker. I yeah. figure like once people start wearing like normal clothes and stuff, you like. It's like, hey, that guy's only wearing coyote skins. Interesting. And I saw a coyote here last night. Yeah. Hmm. He was full of pure evil. Yeah, I could sense it. Huh. The other coyotes attacked it. They were scared. That's a thing, too. I don't think I mentioned it in here. Is that you? if you see an animal attacking another animal of the same species, one that... of those animals could be a skinwalker. Huh. Because the, uh, the normal animal would know that it's not normal. Right. So sometimes they'll attack it.
0: Outside of the ordinary, like bucks, right? Competing Mm -hmm. stuff
1: like that, like you know, coyotes or like a bear fight or something, like yeah, you know, bear fight. I mean, bear fight is scary. And some say that the ones that wear untreated furs make them smell terrible. So that would probably be a pre-modern. Untreated furs are not right good that's we, why they treat them right but i mean if you're a skinwalker i guess you if you're an Asian skinwalker i guess you're just evil you don't give a shit
0: yeah you're like oh well, i smell like rotting flesh yeah good that's fine thanks yeah
1: well you don't oh. <laughs> oh interesting but if one truly wants to blend in i suspect the chances that a real modern skinwalker would strut around wearing untreated animal fur is probably slim to none but I had this thought as I was putting this episode together. Mm-hmm. What if our current world gives them other options? What if they are wearing like a fur coat or something? I'm imagining a chic, trendy skinwalker who incorporates these old traditions through the lens of modern fashion. Like a leather jacket with like some fur lining or some special kind of leather, leather you know, special shoes or boots made of one of those animals' skins or hides. A oh, yeah. belt, hat, coyote fur. Do I have anything made out of Down vest. I mean... I might. Yeah, c- lots of weird stuff. You could. I mean, you could. Uh, you know, they could truly be in disguise to modernize To an unsettling degree. And we would never know.
0: Yeah. Am I a skinwalker? Now I'm confused. I mean...
1: So... Well, would you become a skinwalker? You'd gain the ability to transform into whatever you'd want. You'd also gain invisibility. Superhuman speed. And agility. So do you think... You might want to become a skinwalker. I mean... So, what do you... Well, well, go ahead.
0: Yeah, definitely possible. Especially during those times. You
1: know? So, do you think you have what... So, what do you think you have to do to become one? To fully transform yourself and let the dark energies flow through you? Oh, lots of bad shit, I'm sure. Well... You don't have to do too many things. So keep in mind, also, to become one, you have to be like a an ex- expert level, like Navajo uh, medicine man. Okay, you're already,
0: you so already got to be at that. You, you, have so, to,
1: yeah. you have to get that far. So basically, you have all these abilities. You have all this knowledge. It's all in you. But you have to do one thing. What's the thing? All you have to do is do one thing. It's pretty easy. Yeah, what is it? All you have to do is kill a blood relative. Oh. Usually a sibling. But any could yeah. do... Some say it could be a genuinely close, beloved friend. For all that power, you'd have to kill someone you adored. Huh. So that's
0: tough. Because I feel like in that situation, in the 1860s, yeah, you're trying to save all the ones you love. Absolutely. So it's, do you kill one you love to save
1: more that you love? Or you just do it to save yourself. Yeah. Are you that selfish? Yeah. Because a skinwalker's like a stealth thing.
0: Yeah. So it's just for you. See, I wouldn't say I'm selfish, so now I'm confused.
1: Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, The death. It would have to be a death that would hurt. Because committing that act would cleanse you of your morality. Like I mentioned, the uptick in their numbers seems to be during the U.S. government's extermination campaign against the Navajo, and one place in that type of situation. Did people betray their own family to gain the powers needed to save themselves? Survival. It's a big driving factor. Skinwalkers murder. They induce sickness. Kill livestock. Rob graves. And yes, consummate with the dead. Huh. They're fucking dead bodies. That sounds weird. A Daily Grail article hmm. states that um, by Navajo law, a known witch has forfeited its status as a human and can be killed at will. The assumption is that a witch, by definition, is evil. Seems reasonable. Keep in mind, if you know someone, if you know someone is a skinwalker, you know they've killed someone.
0: Right. It's like, hey, by the way, I'm evil incarnate now. Everybody's like. Oh, we're gonna kill you!
1: Yeah, you're done. Yeah, yeah. goodbye. Yeah, you exposed. The, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you know. F- well, for starters, fuck you. Yeah, and you're gonna die. Yeah, you're done. We're not pro evil around here. No, yeah, we're sans evil. Yeah. Uh, the article continues. It says witchcraft was always an accepted, if not widely acknowledged, part of Navajo culture. And the killing of witches was historically as much accepted among the Navajos as among the Europeans. During 1878, the Navajo blamed witches for their misfortune. After a copy of the Treaty of 1868 was found wrapped around witch artifacts. And I'm pretty sure I read something in here that said they found the treaty with these witch, you know, it's like a hex bag around in the treaty. I'm pretty sure they found it inside of someone's stomach. Okay. One of the things I read said that. So, you know, take that. But, I mean, that just didn't pop in my head. Right. Uh, This discovery led them to murdering at least 40 suspected witches. Damn. 1878. I mean, that's pretty recent.
0: In the history of burning and killing witches, Uh, it's pretty recent.
1: I mean, they got their own reservation. They're doing their own thing. I don't think anybody stepped in to stop them. No. And, I mean... And if you think... So, I read So, you. we're
0: talking 200 years before that was the Salem Witch Trials. hmm
1: At least 200 years. Yeah. But Navajo... Uh, and again, I do say this as an outsider. I mean, I'm not Native American. Mm-hmm. But... They care witch magics and fearing witches and evil and the evil of the skinwalker is a real... Is a very real thing.
0: I mean... Just evil in
1: general is not a uh, thing most people are for. No, but witchcraft and stuff, it can affect like everyday, almost even normal parts of their life. Right. Um. So, what if I told you a lawyer once filed charges in U.S. court against a Navajo witch? Go on. All right, from a Daily Grail article, and I'm going to read a little summation of the situation from that article, okay? Mm-hmm. As a young attorney in the mid-70s, uh, this man, his last name was Stuff. It's pronounced, it's spelled S-T-U-H-F-F. Stuff. <laughs> I know, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so. Worked in a legal aid program based near Genato, Arizona. Many, if not most, of his clients were Navajo. His legal confrontation with a which occurred in a dispute over child custody and financial support. His client, a Navajo woman who lived in the reservation with her son, was asking for full custody rights and back child support payments from her estranged husband, an Apache man. At one point during the legal wrangling, the husband got permission to take the son out for an evening, but didn't return the boy until the next day. The son later told his mother what had transpired that night. According to the son, he spent the night with his father and a medicine man. They built a fire atop a cliff, and, for many hours, the medicine man performed ceremonies, songs, and incantations around the fire. As dawn broke, the three traveled into a wooded area near a cemetery where they dug a hole. Into the hole. Hmm. Yeah. hmm The medicine man deposited two dolls made of wood. One of the dolls was made of dark wood, the other of light wood. It was as if the two dolls were meant to represent the mother and her lawyer. Hmm. Mr. Stuff. <laughs>
0: Mr. Stuff.
1: Although Stuff wasn't sure how seriously to take the news... He recognized that it certainly didn't sound good and he sought out the advice of <laughs> <laughs> Well that
0: doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh
1: oh my god, what did they do? Well so because of that he sought out the advice of a Navajo professor at a nearby community college. Quote this is Mr Stufftalk. What year is this happening? This is happening in the mid seventies. Oh, okay. So that's that's when this little encounter takes mm-hmm. place. Um Quote, this is the professor telling stuff um, about his stuff. (laughs) Yep. Quote, he told me that the ceremony I had described was very powerful and very serious and that it meant that I was supposed to end up buried in that cemetery. Stuff says. Okay.
0: (laughs) He probably doesn't want to do that.
1: Quote, he also said that a witch can perform this type of ceremony only four times in his life because if he tries it more than that the curse would come back on the witch himself. He also told me that if the intended victim found out about it, then the curse would come back onto the person who had requested it. Oh. So, oh, shit. Little We got some flipping around going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stuff thought about a way to let the husband know that he had found out about the ceremony, so he filed court papers that requested an injunction against the husband and the unknown medicine man whom he described in the court documents as, quote, John Doe, comma, a witch, quote. Uh-huh. <laughs> the motion described in great detail the alleged ceremony. The opposing attorney appeared extremely upset by the motion, as did the husband and the presiding judge. The opposing lawyer argued to the court that the medicine man had performed a blessing way ceremony, not a curse. But Stuff knew that the judge, who was a Navajo, could distinguish between a blessing ceremony, which takes place in Navajo Hogan's, mm-hmm. and what was obviously a darker ceremony involving lookalike dolls that took place in the woods near a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, blessing ceremony, huh? Yeah, blessing. Hmm. You, sh- you think? Uh, the judge nodded in agreement when Stuff responded. Before the judge could rule, Stuff requested a recess so that the significance of his legal motion could sink in. The next day, the husband capitulated by agreeing to grant total custody to the mother and to pay all back child support. Yeah. Uh, quote, I took it very seriously when he, because he took it seriously. Quote, Stuff says. I learned early on that sometimes witches will do things themselves to assist the supernatural. And I knew what that might mean. Now, that article doesn't say that this particular Navajo witch was, in fact, a skinwalker. But I would like to say how a, rectangle is a, how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't always a square, that a skinwalker would be very capable of doing this. Right. And it would be right in his realm of powers. Yep. So, cool. Mm-hmm. Skinwalkers are said to be able to use a powder or dust made from human bones to conduct their spells. Often the bones of infants are valued above all. Evil Navajo magic is said to use human bones for tools and all sorts of things. Yeah, well, what's more evil than grinding up children? Hence, as I mentioned earlier, the grave robbing. Mm -hmm. They're just doing some shopping. Yeah. They are known to congregate at night in small groups of skinwalkers where all sorts of debauchery are performed. They basically have skinwalker parties. Yeah. They get together at night like, hey, let's say hey, hey, we're evil as fuck. You yeah. guys want to, you, you wanna know, party? Party? Yeah, we got this <laughs> corpse over here. You want to stick your dick a- a in? They got a lot of baby dust. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Tastes great. Yeah. You put it in your gums. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> now, it has been said that if you ever lock eyes with a skinwalker, that the skinwalker will transport itself into you and or create a psychic connection and control your mind making you commit unspeakable acts or merely causing you to wither away until death hmm. so they can mind control you you can become their puppet you become the
0: skinwalker essentially
1: yeah right and and some things that i've read said that kind of like a demon possession like you know what's going on but you've no control over your body so you're, right. you're witness to everything. This will also allow it to shapeshift into you. Huh. So he's got that up his sleeve then. Well, these are negatives. But one positive is that they cannot enter a home unless they are invited. And if that sounds a lot like a vampire. Oh, well, yeah. It does. It does. It does. Okay. Yep. Perhaps that's what um, staring at one. Perhaps that's what uh, staring into their eyes does. It invites you in because the eyes are often thought to be the windows to the soul. Right? Mm You kind of give an inviting gaze. You kind of give an inviting gaze. Right. And then... Yeah. Skinwalkers can also control the creatures of the night. Animals that could perhaps give it spies anywhere or even give it a terrestrial army. Control animals. Control night creatures. I mean, that's power. Yeah. That's force. Mm hmm. They can also reanimate corpses.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a problem. It's
1: a lot they can do. Mm hmm. I mean, they are witches and dark magic can do a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. They aren't animals. They're sentient, fully intelligent creatures, but because of what it takes to become a skinwalker, they can never be considered good, no matter how behaved or courteous. They may seem if unprovoked. When they kill, they use the expired lives of their victims to extend their own lives, which to me sounds like they can render themselves functionally immortal. Skinwalkers ain't nothing to fuck with. No. Now, one man befriended Navajo natives, and he brazenly asked them about a skinwalker. Well, they all sat around a campfire in the town of Wikiup in either 1999 or 2000. Hmm. Huh. Well, and during the situation... So imagine a campfire. They're working on some stuff. He's sitting around mm-hmm. with a bunch of, like, Navajo, mm-hmm. legit dudes. He's like, let's talk about skinwalkers. Yeah.
0: And they're like, Let's talk about this thing you guys are sworn to not talk about.
1: They pause because this man was clearly wading into waters that were deeper than he could ever imagine. So, since they had befriended him, they decided to recant their own experience to him, and then told him to never talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Quote, because you don't know, we will tell you, but after tonight, don't talk about this again.
0: Yeah, like... So, like, they're giving like, him, like... Like, dude, um, this is serious shit, like... Yeah. Like, you don't know... We'll kn- tell you so that you don't ever make this mistake again, but...
1: Yeah, we're going to tell you like just like you don't know, so like you need to know to be afraid of this. So like we're going to do this mm-hmm. and then you keep your goddamn mouth shut. All yeah. right? All right. This is one of the first Navajos accounts. Okay. Okay. And this is the guy recounting the account. So that's why it's like, a, you know, from a friend. Down. Mm-hmm. The first one told me he was from Cameron, Arizona, and that to the west of town up in the mesas lived a woman who everyone knew was a skinwalker. His mother had told him to stay away from the area, and if he or his friends ever saw her, they were to run away. He said that one day while walking with some friends, one of them pointed up to a mesa where they saw the woman standing on the cliff edge. He surmised the cliff to be at least 100 feet tall, and it was broad daylight. They watched her just standing there, staring out over the cliff into the desert beyond for some time. Then all of a sudden, she stepped out and just floated to the bottom, where they lost sight of her. Needless to say, they ran. Huh. He also said that whenever she would come around, people's sheep would die, and that was always a sure sign someone was a yineldush. You know, He said that the sheep were weak and couldn't take the evil energy of the creatures, even being around, sort of like a canary in a coal mine. He said that many people were aware of her and that no one was sure exactly where she lived, but they thought it was up in one of the caves up on the mesas. The elders said she was quite old, but nobody knew exactly how old, and none of them were about to go up there and get rid of her, as they were all scared. This Navajo swore to this, and by the look on his face, I believed him. He went on to say he knew I probably wouldn't believe him and that I would think him to just be another drunk Indian or something. But he said that when this happened, he was too young to drink, and he and his friends know what they saw.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, that's not that's not good. Floating women and sheep dying, I mean. It's, no, that's not good. The second guy told me he too had an encounter with one. He recalled that he was at the house of his father where he grew up when it happened. Their property had a Hogan off to the side, and at one point was their original home. He said that he was up on a hill overlooking the property when he saw a short, hairy-looking thing walk around one side of the Hogan. It appeared to be sneaking and moving stealthily. At first, he thought it was a wild animal of some kind. Next, he saw his sister coming around the other side of the Hogan, and because of the curve of the structure, she could not see the creature. He yelled, trying to warn her, and when he did, she stopped and looked up and waved. She thought he was playing. Huh. <laughs> this is jokes, This <coughs> jokester. <Yeah. laughs> this messing around. Just playing. Yeah, I'm just playing. But the creature stopped. The creature stopped too, then took a step back and pressed its back up against the wall of the Hogan, where it became invisible and morphed into the wood. He said that when it happened, it looked almost exactly like the camouflage the alien on the movie Predator used. He started running down the hill, yelling at his sister to run, which she did. The skinwalker then pulled itself off the wall, resuming its hairy short stature again, and ran for the edge of the property, where there was a ditch that it jumped into. I mean, fuck, that'd be terrifying. It's like, oh my god, yeah, you just saw this thing become the Predator? The predator! Oh, run! I gotta go cover myself in mud! Go, go! <laughs> yeah, now I, I need to, I've, I am now the big muddy monster. Yeah. It's the only saving power against this thing. He stated that he had never seen anything run so fast in his life and that it wasn't any coyote or deer, that it ran two legs. He told his family about it and they called the medicine man to come perform a cleansing. Huh. He called him the the Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, shit, man, get in here. Please help. All right. The third account. I just realized because this particular section has like three accounts, it's almost like a Skinwalker version, like Three Little Pigs right it's like uh-huh
0: it's,
1: you know. the third man began telling uh the third man began by telling me that he and two others were drinking at home one night when around midnight one of them got the bright idea to go kill a skinwalker whoa <laughs> Ball. well they were drinking at home one night yeah i Are, mean this, is that what we're about is that what we're about to go do? To?
0: i'm gonna go kill a sith
1: yeah let's find him
0: or you know something else evil Yeah, I'm going to go kill some evil shit. Yeah.
1: His friend said that he knew where one had been seen recently and that there was a good chance he was still around. They grabbed a 12-gauge shotgun and a knife, and the three of them left for the desert. I mean, this is the start of something (laughs) special. Yep. He said that his mother was carrying on and trying to get them to stop. Because she's an intelligent person.
0: Yeah, and she's probably not been drinking. She's like,
1: what are you doing? Yeah. God, you're, is, that a, is that a... John, is that a gun and a knife? Yeah. Is that the, is that <laughs> the shotgun?
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've been drinking. <laughs> I
1: <I'm laughs> know. am
0: kill a skinwalker.
1: Yeah, I know. Don't... You shouldn't do that. Why are you talking... What? Even if you weren't looking for a skinwalker, you should not go into the desert with your two other friends, a knife and a gun. Yeah, at least bring
0: another gun. Yeah,
1: <laughs> more guns, because maybe this way you'll kill each other. I don't have to fucking deal with your ass anymore. You're being <laughs> yeah. so stupid. Yeah, well, their mother was telling them that it, this wasn't a game, but they left anyway. Uh, mom had mom was was trying to hit a home run here. Just like, no, please stay home. Yeah. Just like, don't go there.
0: Here I got you a six pack.
1: Yeah, hey. hey <laughs> d- d- drink just more Don't beers. go kill a skinwalker. Drink, ge- drink more beer. Have a great time. When they got to the area where the skinwalker was supposed to be, he jumped into the back of the truck with a shotgun. I'm assuming the he in this part is a skinwalker. Right? No? Or the friend got into the back. Probably the friend got into the back. Yeah. It's I'm reading it. Yeah. The other friend held the spotlight, which he was scouring the desert with, and the third drove. They're literally hunting a monster. They're they're hunting a monster. They're doing what
0: we did now, when we went and looked for Seamus, yeah. except for we had no guns, no guns, and we, we were sober, so sober, and we just kind of stood around. Yeah, we just. I mean, we weren't actively driving in like flashing
1: lights and no. They're in the desert with a knife. And a gun and a spotlight. Like, do you see it? Like, what are you two <laughs> maniacs? After a little while, they saw something in the spotlight. He said that it was short and hairy, around four feet tall, and it was moving fast on two legs, occasionally going down on all fours, then back up to two again. He told me that he was in disbelief when he first saw it, and that he really didn't expect to see a skinwalker, as he never really believed in them and was just showing off for his friends. <laughs> <laughs> whoops uh, oh fuck
0: oh shit there's a skinwalker I thought that was fake oh well uh, well okay good thing we brought the gun at yeah, least thank oh god. but I didn't expect
1: to see anything it's got no shells yeah oh my god well he figured that they would just end up shooting coyotes that night as you do <laughs> okay you know yeah when in Rome <laughs> when in Rome shoot the coyotes He told me that for a brief second, he thought to himself that he would kill it anyway and show everyone and do something good for his people. So in a split second, he went from I don't believe in this thing to I'm going to be the goddamn hero. Yeah. As his friend raced up behind it in the truck, he took aim and shot it square in the back, which slowed it down considerably. For how long? He would later learn that they were driving around 60 miles per hour to catch up with it. They were driving in the truck as he was shooting it. This is an action movie all of a sudden. As the truck caught up with it, he jumped out of the truck with his knife and tackled it, stabbing it multiple times.
0: This dude is a badass.
1: As the truck caught up with it, he jumped out of the truck with his knife and tackled it, stabbing it multiple times. Who we got here? He said he was... Fucking (laughs) Rambo? He said he, after that... Oh, this is how it came from the article. He said he, after that, everything was a blur of fur, blood, and pain as he was rolling and wrestling with the thing. He said that he felt a sharp pain in his abdomen at some point, then felt wet. He looked up and was staring the thing straight in the eyes. And it was the evilest presence he had ever witnessed. By this time, his friend had circled the truck around and was coming upon them. The creature jumped off him and took off running again. Hm. Huh. What happened next I will never forget. He lifted up his shirt and showed me a scar that looked like a mountain lion had raked him from just below his left peck to his lower right stomach. He said that it was the dumbest this thing. He said that it was the dumbest thing he had ever done in his life and warned me against my curiosity for the you know, douche. He told me to trust that they were real and that they were not to be played with. He said this occurred around the Cayenta area. Now, two things here. Maybe this man battled a skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he was telling this white outsider some wild story about the scar he has on the side of his body. Yeah. Two po- we'll say there's two possibilities there. But if that happened, and he was not fibbing,
0: oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my
1: God, that's... Stabbing it and then Six, slashing
0: him. Sixty miles an hour to catch yeah. up to it. Uh huh. That's cheetah speed. It's so
1: fast. S- yeah. Still, skinwalkers are hard to identify, except if you know what to look for. I've left this part out until now, but it has always held true. I know. They are often said to change into imperfect versions of their disguises, perhaps with a weird gait or looking kind of hollow or just overall being off. Mm -hmm. And I left this out of this story for this particular reason, and it's going to lead into my my next encounter. Are you ready? Yeah. And sometimes... When light hits them in the right way or whatever the reason may be, they can also be identified by their glowing red eyes. Hmm. Chicago, Illinois. Uh Uh-oh. Quote, I live in Chicago, and my friend's mom told him about this creature. Well, he told me that in 2005, his mom and dad were driving in the city, and they noticed a giant bat-like creature following them at high speed. Obviously, they didn't believe their eyes at what they saw, but luckily, they sped up the car and got far away from the creature. His father was so shocked that he just about smashed the car into a tree. Hmm. They later stopped the car and discussed about what that thing was. While they were talking, they once again noticed the creature flying towards them. His father started the car, but the creature was closely upon them. Then, without hesitation, it smashed itself into the windshield. It was like it didn't see the window. Then it broke the glass on the front passenger side door. My friend's mom was sitting there while it tried to put its claws into her arm. Hmm. His dad had a glass bottle, which he cracked into the creature's head. What so, he doing with the glass bottle? Psh- Maybe it was a Sprite. (laughs) okay. (laughs) Okay. It fell on the ground and they drove away as fast as they could. They assumed that they had gotten rid of the creature. When they arrived home, it was apparent that my friend's mom was injured. After helping his wife out of the car, his dad went back to close the car door. Then suddenly, the creature appeared again at a tremendous speed and attacked his mom It attempted to grab her and fly away. But quickly, his dad beat the creature with a stone. Nice. It eventually took off and disappeared into the dark sky. When the creature tried to take his mom away, she got a closer look at it. After all, this happened, and her being injured, she told her husband that, quote, it's a kind of extinct creature. It had long, sharp nails, a very scary face, glowing eyes, and sharp teeth. His mother looked on the internet to see what the creature was they were only thinking about one creature, a skinwalker, because they were familiar with that creature because of their culture. This family was in Chicago, and this family was a family of Navajos. Mm -hmm. It's a witch that can transform into a half-animal, half-human. After a lot of research, they eventually discovered that the creature closely resembled only one being, the Mothman. (laughs) But... It appeared to them, at first, to maybe be a skinwalker because of its glowing red eyes. And I left this out of the last story because I did not want to give that away. Because in the last uh, story I read... Qu- he, uh, he said that he felt a sharp pain in his abdomen at some point, then felt wet. He looked up and was staring the thing straight in the eyes. He said that they were indeed red, like the legends, and that it was the evilest presence he had ever witnessed. Hmm. The skinwalker, imagine a skinwalker in every story I mentioned. It had glowing red eyes. If you caught it or if it caught its glance, hmm. glowing red eyes. There
0: was a thing. For the Mothman, for sure.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, this thing has been cited to change into an owl, and the Mothman is often said to look like an owl.
0: Yeah, very
1: owl-like. And it's said that Skinwalker's transformations can sometimes be a little off. But if it can turn into anything it wants, I mean, it could make up what it wants to look like. Mm -hmm. Right? It could exactly do that. Right. So, with all this power... How can you even hope to destroy a skinwalker?
0: I have no idea.
1: Well, it's both easy and hard at the same time. If you are attacked by a skinwalker, it's easier said than done, all you have to do is have truth on your side and be one hell of a guesser for names or power. And if you can shout out the creature's real name and identify it, it will be a fatal blow and will die within days. Huh. So if you're being attacked by a skinwalker, you're yeah. like Chuck, Chuck Schuman. Ah! Ah! Oh shit! Fuck! He's like, damn it, Jimmy! Shit! Imagine like a, like a little like deformed coyote yelling, "Damn it, Jimmy! <laughs> yeah. You got that. You son of a bitch! Just trying to scare you! you. Got you, me! You, you cocksucker! <laughs> son of a! Damn it! Yeah. Ah! Then it just it goes away and then it dies. Huh. Or, if you can shoot it with normal bullets, you better be a good shot. Because normal bullets will kill it. But I mean, it's pretty fast. And I assume a Skinwalker, if you don't kill it, will hold one hell of a grudge. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh, you didn't kill me, huh? Well, guess what? Yeah, but you tried. Yeah. And now I hate you. Yeah, you're done. You're and I'm done.
0: pure evil.
1: And also, I want to mention this, too. A lot of, sk- like, I told, this, is, this has been a very wide, sprawling tale. But skin a lot of skinwalker sightings are when people see like an animal. They're often sighted, or people claim to be claim that they're skinwalkers when like an animal will run up against like someone's car, or like they'll chase it and like go into the woods. So like, hmm. like you know, just imagine like a quick coyote like chase, like keeping up with car speeds, basically. Yeah, like that sixty miles an hour running next right.
0: to my car, and I'm
1: going fifty-five. Like, um, mm,
0: hmm. something's wrong here. All right.
1: So, in conclusion. Finally, I asked one last time, more directly than before, would superpowers be worth the price of murder?
0: I mean, we can leave that up to the listeners. I would uh, say, for me, I'm not selfish enough to kill somebody I'm close to Right. to get that.
1: Right. Hopefully, after hearing all this, your love and compassion has won out. And you are proud to be a failure because here, failure is a success. You are not cut out to be a skinwalker, and thank God for it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you may be someone predisposed and bound for the dark side. Yes, the dark side. And I've skirted around this the entire show, and I'm so thankful you're a side of the Sith Code. <laughs> Because in recent years, we've learned of a very powerful, uh, dark, I guess we can call him sorcerer, uh, powerful dark warrior who has slain a blood relative by his own hand. So I ask instead of a Skywalker, is Kylo Ren a Skinwalker?
0: Oh. Whoa, whoa. Ah. Boom. Huh.
1: This episode is called Rise of Skinwalker. Oh, man. Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's incredible. (laughs) Amazing.
1: Right? What the hell? Uh,
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's something to think about. What a ride. Yeah.
1: Dwell on that. What the fuck? All right. Well. Because, yep, the connection you made, I was hoping you would, because it was made to me. I was like, oh, my God. Here we are. Well, fuck, I... Yeah, yeah think of... I
0: <laughs> not even think about that. Shh, God think damn it.
1: Take a, take a moment. I mean, it's a galaxy far, far away, but what the fuck?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it all comes back to things in history, though. And that's, you know, right. like half the fun of
1: Star Wars. Amazing, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, yeah, that was... Well, that's a, wild, <laughs> That was a wild... Yeah, there's a treat. A little yeah. treat about... A huh. little Skinwalker treat.
0: Yeah, uh, with a little. Uh, you ever heard of the Skinwalker Ranch? Yes, I'm sure you did. You I came mean, across it, correct? Yes, that's wild. Absolutely, we'll have to do that at some point.
1: The only thing I will say about that is that the legend, of course, is that it was it was a land um, that the Navajo. Considered cursed because it was full of skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. And of course, I mean, we'll just say, you know, UFO sightings, crazy shit's going on out there in the desert. Oh yeah, Who knows what's going on?
0: Oh, yeah. We'll have to do. So, yeah. We'll have to do a whole episode. Absolutely. On that at some point. Yes. Because that shit is wild.
1: It's insane. It's just madness. I mean, I will not even say what I saw because I was focused in other directions. But crazy.
0: Again, I will. Uh, two episodes in a row now. I'm going to yes. throw out alien theorists theorizing. Do it. Yes, they do a whole episode on Skinwalker ranch, yes, so yeah, great,
1: hell, yes, Yeah, so of course we we support those guys, yeah, absolutely, um give me little i uh we've been indulging in some bourbon, thank you uh oh
0: no, that's not bourbon
1: oh, it's whiskey, sorry Irish whiskey Irish whiskey is totally different, I apologize <laughs> yeah, for that
0: wildly different get Why
1: your, it's I know man well, sorry get, All right. yeah, I know right. Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, Pete Carparelli, for that. Peta. And our beautiful, thrashing, thrilling theme that begins and ends this show, which is, of course, called Weird and Feared. If you want to tell us about a monster that you want us to talk about, or a monster you think we may not know about, or a monster we should know about. We don't know about a lot of them,
0: so keep them coming, because there's so many.
1: As we established last episode, this is our new hobby. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just getting into it. You always have an affinity for monsters, but sometimes you get into it. And yeah. here you go. But yeah, email us at weird and feared podcast at gmail dot com, or just message me on uh, us on Facebook at uh, you know weird and feared, and um, yeah. Instagram weird and feared. Look at my uh, uh, our Illinois parody of the the Mothman on the Chicago- Illinois flag, because if you hadn't guessed by now, if you're a longtime listener. It's- podcast is based in illinois yeah what episode are we on now i think this one will be episode 27 i think yeah that's wild we're coming up to episode 30 so anybody who's been there from the beginning thanks for all the support and if you're just joining us um you just experienced our longest episode so i hope you appreciated that um but yeah come back uh, next week where we will of course get weird yeah and okay. feared and, and saying, then
0: eventually, yeah. What are we doing? We stay spooky.
1: We stay spooky. Mm-hmm. All right. Peace out, right. brothers and sisters. Booya! Have a good night.
0: Later.